The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Today's message is the conclusion of a wonderful message preached by Elder Luke Hagler entitled, A Long Eight Days. In the first half of this message, we saw that the old saying, time flies when you're having fun, really can be true, depending on whether you're joyful or whether you're sad. Time can either seem to fly or it can drag on. The point of Brother Luke's message is that we should live lives of belief in Christ and his finished work on the cross as we go about our daily lives. Did you know that even a child of God who's been born again can live a life of unbelief, not trusting in Jesus Christ and his finished work? Brother Luke has shown us in this message how important it is that we trust him and that we especially trust in his death, burial, and resurrection and his completed work on the cross. And that as we live here in this life, we trust that he is coming back soon to deliver us from this sin-cursed world. The promise of the resurrection is the greatest promise that a child of God can cling to in this life. And in this message, Brother Luke has shown us the consequences of living a life of unbelief and the joys of living a life of belief. And if we'll live our lives trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ and his promises, and especially the promise of his soon coming and the resurrection of our bodies, then rather than time dragging by, it'll seem to fly because we'll have the joy of the Lord with us. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
The same day that Mary comes and tells him those things, it says, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Read the other Gospels where they didn't believe her. But the very same day that they've got that information, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst of, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had said so, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were his disciples glad when they saw the Lord. All right? His, his, his promise wasn't enough. You understand? His promise was not enough. And so, then were his disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you as my Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. Now, let's get to the nitty gritty. There was one guy who wasn't there. Now, he may have been doing something valiant and honorable, but he wasn't there, and his name was called Thomas. Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. Get it? Mary, I've seen him. I've talked to him. I've got, all right, we got what? We've got countless prophecies. We've got, by his own admission, multiple times, it was going to take three days. We've got Mary Magdalene coming and saying, I saw him, I talked to him. We've got these disciples saying, he came in, not through the door, he just appeared, and he talked to us, we've seen him. And this is what Thomas says. Now, let's don't beat Thomas up too bad, too quick. Because listen, I'm Thomas. I can promise you right now, I know me, I know my personality, and this is where I would fall. And Thomas says, even though we've got all these things, Thomas says, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side. He kind of, it's almost like he's aggravated and he progresses. Unless I see... The scars in his hands, unless I put my finger in the scars, of, unless I put my, see him, put my finger in his, the, the wounds in his hands and thrust my hand into his side. He says this, I will not believe. I will continue to live in unbelief, just like Mary was at the tomb when she thought he was a gardener, just like Peter did when he said, I guess I'll just go back fishing. He said, I'm not going to believe. And let me tell you, this is, this is totally my thoughts on this. You know why I think Thomas said that? I think Thomas was afraid of being disappointed again. And that's how I would be. You know, my tendency, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes people will let you down and sometimes people will disappoint you. People that you think will walk the line with you sometimes will fail to do that. I have let people down and I've had people let me down. You know what sometimes I say to myself? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to quit getting close to people. Because every time I get close to somebody and try to help somebody, I end up getting really hurt and really upset about it and, and it's just not worth it. I think that's where Thomas was. For three and a half years, I have been on cloud nine, and every single time 
I saw a miracle come from the hands of the Lord. I was so encouraged and so strengthened. I have been on cloud nine, and the king of kings is here, and he is among us. And then, boo, he was beaten. He was, he was arrested. He was taken. He was beaten. He was killed, and he was put in a grave. And the disappointment was overwhelming. And I think Thomas said, I just, I can't emotionally go there again. I cannot let you guys take me back to that mountaintop because I'm afraid if I get up on that mountaintop again, I'm going to feel the same fall that I have felt for the last three days. Because he's just like us. A long eight days, right? That's the title. I will not believe. And after eight days... Again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. So for eight days, hear me out now, eight days, he has had to listen to the buzz from all the other apostles as they chatter about that encounter. He's had to listen to Mary talk, oh, I thought he was the gardener, he said my name. And I was, he has to hear the other two, the two apostles on the road to Emmaus talk, we spent time with him and our hearts burned within us. They had, he had to hear for eight days, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. But Thomas didn't have what he needed to join in that celebration. That's a long eight days. You think about that. For eight days. We get sick, you know. COVID will keep you down for a while. You get sick for eight days, you are struggling. But for eight days, if you're living in severe unbelief, even in the midst of all these other testimonies, you're talking about misery. What does is, what is, what is Paul write? If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. You know what Thomas was for eight days? Miserable. Miserable because of his unbelief. Now, he goes on and it says this. Jesus appears to him and says, peace be unto you. Picture that. They're all there. Thomas is there this time. Walking around with his, you know, with his heart guarded. Unless I see it. Unless I touch it. Unless I thrust my hand, I am not going to believe. Jesus appears. He says, peace be unto you. And the very next thing the Lord does is to look at Thomas. Of all the things the Lord needed to tell them, that the Lord wanted to tell them. He's not looking at Thomas, if you ask me, he's not looking at Thomas in this situation to upbraid him. He's got a sheep over here that is broken. Suffering at the hands of unbelief for eight days. And the Lord is fixing to put that belief, unbelief to rest. And he looks at that dear sheep over there and he says, if it takes my hands, and I don't really understand how this worked, because he told Mary, don't touch me. Remember that? He said, don't touch me. He says, uh, he says touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, as I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. Let me stop right there. Do you think that the Lord wasn't giving Mary a powerful message? He says to her, he says, listen, Go to my brethren and say unto them, I send unto my father and your father. And to my God 
and to your God. That's his way of saying, Mary, where I am, you're going to be too. Because he's my God, he's your God, he's my father, he's your father. And if you're overwhelmed right now because a resurrected man, well, sure, you know, did the Lord mumble when he told him what he was going to do? Was he unclear about it when he told him what? But they, but they were living in unbelief. And, and so now the Lord is standing in front of them, strengthening her belief. And can you imagine, because they said, oh, sure, he can raise the dead. But a question I would have had is, yeah, he can raise the dead, but how can the dead raise the dead? He's dead. How can he raise himself? But he did, and he's standing in front of her, and he's saying, Mary, if you're overwhelmed by this resurrection, just hold on. Because one day it's going to happen to you. And he took her unbelief and he smashed it. And so here he is with Thomas, a suffering sheep. And he says, if it takes you sticking your hands in the print of the nails, here they are, Thomas. And if it takes you putting your hand in my side, here it is, Thomas. If that's what it takes. Now he goes on and says, listen, blessed are you because you believe, but blessed are they that have not seen. You believe because you've seen me. He said, but blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. But if it takes you putting your hand in my side for me to kill the unbelief that's living in you, bring it on. All right, can you imagine that exchange? Don't you think that was a trembling finger, a trembling hand that went to the scars in the hands of the master and into the side of the master? But how do you think he felt afterwards? If I can't do that, I'm not going to believe. But boy, if I can do that, there's nothing going to waver my belief. And so he gives relief to Thomas. And many other signs, this uh, goes on and says, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But notice this. In order to kill the unbelief in Thomas, it took putting the finger in the prince and the hand in the side. But John writes to us, he says, But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ. You see, in a, in a, in a way, these are the prints and the nails for us. All right? That's what Thomas had to have. But for us, John wrote them that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. All right. I'm thankful for people writing books from their experiences that saved me some heartache. I've got a book somebody gave me at home, The Poisonous Plants of Alabama. Open it up, read about them, picture, picture, all kind of pictures, get into this, it's going to make you itch. Right? Poison ivy. Somebody dealt with that before, and they wrote about it, so I didn't have to suffer. I got a book, The Snakes of Alabama, and, and in there, it shows all the poisonous snakes of Alabama, and somebody dealt with those before, so I can learn from them and not suffer. And John, who was there when Thomas stuck his side in, who saw, as my dad would say, his lips dragging the ground for eight days in sorrow and confusion, and John witnessed these things, let me write this thing down so nobody else will go through what Thomas went through and what Mary went through. And I'm thankful that he did that. Now, here we go. We have a promise. And that promise is that he's coming to get us. 
Now, he may not come get us with, with the sky parting and the sound of the trumpet and take us all at once, but brothers and sisters, if I fall over dead right now, he's coming to get me. All right, you understand? The Lord has given us that promise. How much, how much does that promise impact your daily life? How much, does, how much does the promise of his second coming or deliverance from death, how much does that impact our daily life? Now, Thomas chose not to lay hold to it and was miserable. And I dare say that we get so wrapped up in our daily lives that we rarely think about that this is not our home. You think about that? Simeon, I like this about Simeon. Let me read this to you. The man who is in the temple I told you about, it says it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death, experience death, before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And, came, and he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the par uh, parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then he took him up in his arms, he blessed God and said, Lord now, let us now, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy words, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Now, we have no record of how old Simeon was here. Maybe a young man. I suspect he was probably an old man. But you know, when he says, I've seen the salvation of the Lord, you know what he was ready to do? Leave. He's ready to go. And in the same way, God's people when they see the deliverances of the Lord and they've been touched by His Spirit and they begin to understand the salvation, we ought to have the same attitude. Amen. I'm ready to go. But do we? Do we think about it like that? Do we, does, is that a, listen, I told Tiffany this other day, and you're going to think this is morbid, but it's going to show you how far, we, how far removed we are from embracing the promises of God. If a doctor walks into the, to, to the room one day and he looks at me and says, Luke, you got six months to live. All right, you know who's waiting in that room? The devil. The devil's waiting. Because nobody says this. You mean I've only got six more months before I see his face? I've only got six more months before I get to see my Lord? I've only got six more months before I get to put all of this behind me? Nobody says that. What do they say? Oh, I'm not going to get to see my grandkids and I'm not going to get retired and I'm not going to get to live through the golden years. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get to do stuff here. Simeon said, I've seen the salvation of the Lord and I'm ready to go. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I hope all of us, if we get you got six months of lives, I hope we look right in the face of that doctor and says, only six months till I see my Lord. We get excited when you tell the kids, hey, we're going to Disney World in three weeks. You know, we're going to Disney World. How do we feel about the Lord, seeing the Lord? We're a lot like Thomas, right? We're a lot like Thomas where we just kind of mope through this life and the tolls and the troubles of this life, and we're just kind of an Eeyore about the whole deal. We're Thomas. We're not excited about it. We're not eagerly awaiting the fulfillment of the promise that he gave us any more than Mary, Peter, Paul, I mean, John, James, none of those guys were. We're just kind of drudging through this life, this house of horrors, right? Oh, this world is great. No, it's not. 
I want you to think about this. Imagine this in your head, that an angel comes up to Jesus and says, Hey, Jesus, where are you going? He says, Well, I'm fixing to go to earth. What's on earth? Well, if the wind's blowing right and it gets to turn in a circle real, real quick, it'll just completely wipe out whole cities. There's a lot of sickness down there. If you catch it, it'll kill you. There's all kind of pestilence, diseases. The earth will shake and people will fall in it and it'll crush everything. There's hurricanes. There's, uh, there's hatred in men. They kill each other. They kill, the, they kill the unborn. Can you imagine that angel saying, and you're leaving this to go there? You see, we live in a house of horrors, but this is all we've ever known. And so we get used to it. But brothers and sisters, if we can lay hold of the promises of God, we look at it a little different. That this world's not our home. Now listen, and we sang two songs. I feel like traveling on. Do you? We sing it. It's easy to sing it. Do you live it? And we sang right after that, when I go home. Right? Brother Chris mentioned up here about Sister Minnie ready to go home. Right? Now, don't misunderstand me and don't misquote me on this. But when I hear about tragedies across the ocean, tidal waves, tsunamis, earthquakes, now listen, as far as humanity goes, I grieve over those things. But I don't grieve over them like if it was here. Right? Every single one of you agree with that, whether you'll amen it or not. You hate to see somebody's house burn but you don't hate it as bad as if it's your home, right? There's a lot of stuff in this world that we get real upset about, but you ought not, because that's not our home, Amen. right? When the Twin Towers hit, boy, you felt that, didn't you? That's home. When the Twin Towers were attacked and fell, that's home, and that did something to us. That kind of stuff happens all the time in the Middle East. It doesn't affect us. We don't think about it because it's not home. Our home is not here. Amen. And God promised us that he has made us a home somewhere else. Amen. And we're going to go there. Do you have eyes to see that? Listen, let me give you just a few more things. I know I've gone too long. Let me give you just a few more things before I close here. In Matthew, the 25th chapter, I've wondered over the years exactly what this parable meant. And I don't have the, uh, the best grasp of it. I'm not going to act like I do. There's a whole lot more preaching here, but I got the simple stuff out of it because that's where I like to live in the simple stuff. The parable of the ten virgins. It says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom, and five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with the lamp, their lamps. When the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. That's where we are. All right, that's us. And at midnight, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you, but go rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Now don't try to make that an eternal deal. All right? Another topic for another day. But here's what I got out of it. When the Lord came, it was dark. 
It was midnight. And what they needed to do to be able to see him was some preparation. You got some over here. You see, it was lamps that they needed. Well, what does a lamp do? It allows you to see, right? There were five of them that had prepared themselves to see. And thankfully they had because he didn't come at 11 o'clock in the morning. He came at midnight and an unexpected time when they slumbered and slept. You see, it takes a little bit of preparation, preparation to see the bridegroom. Are you understanding me? I guarantee you that there have been times that the bridegroom passed by and I was not prepared to see him and missed out on tremendous blessings. There have also been times that I have prepared my mind and my spiritual eyes to see, and it was at a very unlikely place in an unlikely time, but I had prepared my mind and eyes to see spiritually, and I saw the bridegroom. Are you understanding me? When we are looking for the Lord and His coming, we need to be like the wise virgins there. We need to have some preparation in our minds to be able to see because if we take our eyes off the Lord and that promise, all you've got is waves. It's all you got. So when you're looking to the Lord and the promise of His coming, you know why? Like Simeon, you know why it was easy for Simeon to say, I'm ready to go? Because he saw what was the most important. But my goodness, look, Monday morning, it's waiting on us. We say that a lot of times. Monday morning is waiting. You know, it's hard to think about the promise of his coming at 11 o'clock on a Monday morning when you're tied up in your daily work, doing all those types of things and handling this and handling it. Hard to think about it. But brothers, if you can think about it, all of this other stuff is just not important. It's just not as important. Now, For Thomas, as I close, for Thomas, he had a long eight days, troubled, troubled, and perplexed because of unbelief. We sing we feel like traveling on, but do we live like we're ready to travel on? We love the story of Simeon, but can we embrace the attitude that Simeon had? If we can... There's a great peace and rest that comes with that. Amen. That's what Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4 talk about. There's a rest that comes with belief. Well, brothers and sisters, there's misery that comes with unbelief. Misery. And if we can't find it within ourselves to believe in the promises of God that this life is a vapor, that there's nothing in this life that can rip me away from His hand and His love, and that His salvation is eternal and sure and kept, If I can lay hold of that, it's going to be hard to shake me. And it'll be hard to shake you. John took the time to write to us after his experience with Thomas and watching Thomas. He said, these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. You see, our belief brings life. Our belief doesn't bring us money. It doesn't bring us fame. It doesn't bring us, uh, you know, tons of leisure. But our belief brings us life. Because, oh, sickness has come. It's not my home. Bankruptcy came. It's not my home. Cancer came. This is not my home. This comes. It's not my home. 
And I've seen the salvation of the Lord, and I'm just ready to go. Amen. All right, there's some rest in that, yeah. right? Too often we're like Thomas, and we just say, oh, if I could just, you know, if I could just touch those nail scars, if I could just do this. If that's our attitude, oh, we got a long way to go, right? But if you can believe it without seeing it, which I told you this morning, thankfully one of the fruit of the spirits he gave us was faith. To be able to look in the face of all the wicked, like I said this morning, that mock us. This morning I said, they say, where is thy God? You know, there's another time when the scoffers say this. Where's the promise of his coming? All things happen like they've always happened. Where's the promise? Hey, hey, I see you. Good job. I'm glad that you can see the monster death and smile, but where's the promise of his coming? That's what the wicked say. Just keep smiling and grab onto that promise and don't be like Thomas. Grab onto that promise and walk by faith, trusting that this world is not our home and there's not one single thing in it that can change our eternal state. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com that's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. 